Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. got your Bibles, I want you to, I'm not going to uh, do this long, but, uh, and, and I knew that tonight was going to be a little bit different, but if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Judges chapter 6. Um, I want to talk to you out of a subject called availability, availability, and really, I, you know, people come up to you and they're asking about your calendar and they, they say, will you check your availability and see if you're available on this date or on that date? And depending on who it is, we begin to shift things around, right? You know, if it's somebody we don't know, I don't know. I got some stuff happening that day. And you don't want to lie to nobody, right? I got some stuff happening that day. You'll, you'll, you'll change. You'll uh, give, them, give them the runaround. Hopefully not. But if it's somebody that's really important that you'll make, you'll make plans to be able to meet with those people, correct? Um, but I want to ask you a question tonight. How available are you? And this is really simplistic. It's going to be very general to you. But I really felt this, and I'm going to pull a story out of the book of Judges, chapter 6, with Gideon. Because uh, I love this story. I love the story of Gideon. But, but it's really how truly available are you? What's, you need to check your availability to the things of God, to God himself. How available are we? And so in uh, Judges, chapter 6... I'm going to read the first six verses, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But Judges chapter 6, 1 says, Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord handed them over. The Lord handed them over. The Lord handed them over to Midian for seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of Midian, because of Midian the sons of Israel were made uh, excuse me, made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. They built houses in the mountains and the caves. That's what they're saying. For whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the people of the east and march against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, nor a sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come in like locusts in number, and both they and their camels were innumerable. And they came into the land to ruin it. Verse 6, so Israel was brought very low because of Midian. They were humbled. Remember what I talked about? That we never pray for God to humble us. You humble yourself. The Bible says humble yourself Therefore, in the sight of God, you are the one that's supposed to bring yourself low before God. But it says that they were brought very low because of Midian and the sons of Israel then cried out to the Lord. They teach 
in theology, the cyclical state of Israel. Now, what does that mean? It's not, not necessarily Israel as a state as we know it, that it became a state, but it's actually uh, um, a condition. We all have cyclical things that we do, routines, if you want to say it, but that we come back to, and there's also sin cycles that we find ourselves in from time to time. Those things you can't seem to break out. You do good for a while, and everything's going great, but then you find yourself right back in the same mindset, the same sin, the same whatever. Well, Israel had a problem. If you read the book of Judges, that's what it's full of. And honestly, if you read back from the time of whenever the formation of the nation, they had the cyclical sins of things that they just could not break out of. So they had this, they were stuck in a cycle, which was this. Things are going well. They're serving God. Then all of a sudden, that generation that was giving all to God, worshiping and sacrificing to Him alone, would die. For whatever reason, the new generation that came up missed it, couldn't get it. Uh, kept falling short of it or just didn't know about it, then all of a sudden they would start to adopt the paganistic and idol uh, worship of the surrounding nations. They would adopt their ideologies. They would start mixing and mingling and marrying uh, those that God told them don't, don't mess with. Therefore, they would fall into idol worship. They would fall into to the point to where they're sacrificing their kids in fire. They're killing them on altars, sacrificing them to the gods of Baal and, and demons and all of those things. Well, all of a sudden, God would raise up an oppressor, and he would send an oppressor to afflict the people to the point, this is what is known as the act of wrath of God in the Old Testament. All right, We are in on this side of the cross where there was an actual passive wrath. So if you won't remove yourself from sin, guess what's attached to it? There's wrath attached to that because sin, when it's full grown, does what? It brings forth death. So the nation of Israel, because of their sinful, rebellious, disobedient state, would invite these things and God would say I've got to get these people right so actively pouring wrath upon his people to keep them pure or try he would give them an oppressor that would rise up and be uh, evil wicked rulers that would come in plunder and pillage their villages and and kill their their, their people and and all of a sudden Israel then would lift their voices, and as you see, if you read on down past verse 6, it would go on and it would say, they cried out to the Lord on account of Midian, then the Lord sent a prophet. Because anytime God gets ready to do something, and I don't know why I feel the Holy Spirit, when God gets ready to do something in the people, He's going to send a man, a woman, a people. I don't think it's so much more as it's just one person, but He sends a body. He sends a, he sends a church into a region to lift up a voice and say there's a better way. And so in this we see, that he raises up a prophet to begin to speak to them. And all of a sudden, they cry out to God. God hears their cry. And then he sends them a savior. And so when you read the book of Judges, that's what it's full of. And yes, for some that struggle for, 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 for women being in ministry, there was a deliverer called Deborah that was used mightily, a prophetess, if you will. And that's what she was, that God raised up in the book of Judges to be one of the deliverers of this nation but we look to a man called Gideon, and I love this story because it's so contradictory. It's, it messes with my mind as I read this, and so I'll dig a little bit deeper. But there are results to sin, unaddressed sin. Hear what I'm telling you tonight. I'm not just blowing smoke, but hear what I'm going to tell you. There's results of sin that begins to impact one generation to the next. Unaddressed sin that we're unwilling to talk to God about and say, yes, I am absolutely wrong. 
Um, one form of that because you're unwilling to is pride. And pride is such a great destroyer. So much so that if you were here a couple of months ago, I talked about that God himself will send something because pride goes before destruction. It's not pride goes before a fall, it's before destruction. So God will do whatever it takes to turn you. The result of sin removes us from the blessing of the Lord. If the blessing of God's not flowing on my life, it could be because, it could be because there's unaddressed sin. The whole nation was handed over to Midian to be plundered. Diso, listen to what I'm going to tell you here. Disobedience brings conflict without resolution. Disobedience brings conflict without resolution. Well, Pastor, I thought that there was a way I could repent. Yes, if there's repentance. I have seen people that said they're repentant but were not repentant and they were still walking in the same path. It's different to say it and have lip service. What did Jesus say? These people honor honor me with their lips but their hearts. Way off. So disobedience brings conflict without resolution if there's no repentance and change of heart. Then we enter verse 11. Read this with me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress. Beating out wheat in the winepress. Don't you thresh wheat, not there, right? In order to save it from the Midianites. Now, Armchair quarterbacks would look at this and say, well, that's stupid. But that's typically the people that's not doing anything. (laughs) Gideon is trying to preserve. He's trying to eat. He's hungry. He's trying to, maybe he's providing for, we can read and know the history or, or understand who his family is. Maybe he's just trying to provide for his family. But he's doing this in private to keep that from them. And, and let me say this, because this is interesting. When you read this setting and all of a sudden you see, you see Gideon doing this in private and he's hiding it and he's trying to keep it. Um, you know, I, I look at that and I'm telling you, the way I read, I'm like, man, I, you know, have some backbone. But maybe <laughs> having a backbone would have got it ripped out. I don't know. But he's doing this in private. But then when I'm reading this, my, my mind goes to, or I felt like today when I was reading over this story, rereading over this story, that I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, I only send the answer to those that are actually doing something. So for those that sit back and don't do anything, it's like when they talk about voting, we're coming into the next year, it'll be, we'll be voting for a new president of the next year. And, and it's interesting that so many people don't vote, but yet they have an opinion. And I don't think that you should. You should, if, if you don't vote, you don't get an opinion, I don't think. But God always happens to send the answers to those that are actually doing something. Let's look at Moses. Moses is on the run, but he's still doing something because he's taking care and tending a flock. And God sends an answer. Why? In a burning bush. We can look at David. David, by all means, should have felt such a strong spirit of rejection, which most believers struggle with this to some degree in a big way. But he's on the backside of nowhere. He's the, the kingdom belonged to that eighth son, the kingdom of the nation of Israel. But he's on the backside of nowhere. What is he doing? He's tending the flock. And guess what? He didn't go looking for the anointing oil. He didn't go looking for the kingship. Guess what? It came to him because he was doing something. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. And 
I look over and see verse 12. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. As he's doing something, God comes and sends an answer. And I say, thinking about this whole, this, this whole mindset of, of the, the doers, my question, if I could just be really practical to you, but how really proactive are you to prepare for what God wants to do? That's just, are you, are you planning ahead for what God would like to do in your life? Because a lot of times what we have is a lot of victim-minded people that, that look and say, well, it just didn't happen for me. Well, there's nobody wants to help me. Well, I'm, I'm looking at David, and I'm thinking, man, your father has kicked you out of the house. You, you have been, you have been um, conceived in sin. That's what the Bible says. David said that he was conceived in sin, right? You read, I think it's Psalms 51, and shaped in iniquity because his father had an affair with a mistress. So he was conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity. He's on the backside of nowhere around 13 to 16 years old. So if anybody had a problem and an issue and a victim mentality, it should have been David. But he didn't. He was doing something. I'm going somewhere. But my question to you is how available are you? I understand life kicked you in the mouth. I understand that things have happened. Listen, we're not discounting that at all. But I've, I, and God is a comforter and he comes alongside. But he's still a father. And he's, and he's still God. And he's standing right beside you and said, okay, when you can get over this, I'm here with you to help you. And I'll send people. It's an interesting that maybe he sent people into your life to give you words of encouragement and edification. But, but because he's trying to get you available. He needs you available. He needs you ready. He needs you prepped and prepared. He needs you to start looking over the horizon. I've always heard this said that 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 hope is uh, hope gets you off to the couch. Hope is getting you, you you're getting off the couch and getting onto the porch, and faith is looking down the road to see what's coming. Hope says, I don't know what it is, but something's coming. Faith says, I know what's coming. I can see it. And and a lot of times because our victim mentality, I gotta hang with this for just a moment. Because we've all experienced things that should, so, so to speak, discount us for, or qualify us to be used by God in some way. Again, that's an X factor. What is, well, what is that? What is the, I don't know. I, I can't answer that for you. But that thing that you, Pastor, talked about at Sunday on passion, that thing that breaks your heart, that thing that you're passionate about, that's what you were born for. Every one of us has a calling. Well, I got a job. That's the way you're looking at it. But if God can get your mind changed and get you to looking at it from a kingdom perspective and understand that as I go, I'm going to do lay hands on the sick and see them healed. And I'm going to release the power of the gospel and whatever in my conversation and my deeds. But the question is, is really how available are you? Because a lot of times our culture has taught us, look at your ability. You got to look at what you can do. Well, hell, you just need to figure out. No, I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I was probably, when I graduated high school, I uh, didn't have much smarts. I don't care to tell you that. I think God has expanded my capacity since I've gotten out. But all I had was when, when I came into the kingdom of God, because I, I, I'm on, I don't know how any of you view this theology, but I was a backslider. I had turned my back and said, I'm done. Really was. There was a stint. I said, I was done. And coming back into the kingdom of God, man, I, I, when, I, when I got lit on fire again, I began to read. I never read books in high school. Can't tell me God ain't real. <laughs> but I, I, it turned on a switch and I began to read. I began to listen. <laughs> That's a miracle in itself. Some of you will get that in a moment. 
Because I didn't listen to nobody. It was my way most of the time. Very selfish. Still struggle with that from time to time. Got to be honest. Here in the pulpit. I have to be careful with that. But, but God got a hold of my heart and began to shake some things. And the fear of the Lord settled in because I realized, oh, wait a second. I see how big he really is. I had these pulses from moment to moment when I'd awaken up and say, man, he's a big God. But then all of a sudden go right back. I don't know how to describe that. That's just how I'm explaining it to you. But then when I fully got awakened to the reality of the goodness and the power uh, and the prosperity that God wanted to pour into my life, it, oh, it flipped everything. And then all of a sudden I just started showing up, not with an ability, but just availability. I'm available, God. I'm av- what do you need me to do? I don't care if it is full-time. And it doesn't matter about if it's full-time ministry, that's great. Wherever I'm going, I'm going to be available. And some of us have got to flip that script. Somewhere in your mind has got to change. Don't be conformed to the patterns and the, uh, the patterns of this world, the systems of this world, the strategies of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because the Word of God can change you. The Bible can flip, can flip the script in your, in your life. It can change. The more you read it, the more that the logical, where people say, that's impossible. You say, no, wait a second. That looks logical. I think, I think that can happen. I think God can heal them. We look at it from a... From a uh, from, and I'm going to hang out here for a moment. We look at it from a perspective of a fleshly, carnal mindset when whenever we look at somebody that's sick or we look at a situation or somebody that's lost. Well, I just don't know, brother. We've been praying. I just don't know. But the one that becomes available to God and pours themselves before him looks at it from a perspective with a changed mind. The mind has been renewed. It's looking more like heaven every day. It's not trying to get out of this world to get there. It's, it's looking at it from a perspective and saying, no, I know that God can. That's an available mind. They look for the opportunities in the mundane to demonstrate the supernatural. Amen, brother. You're preaching. I'll amen myself. I know we're not streaming, so we can say Amen. Many people desire to see a miracle come, but they're not prepping for it. Many people want a spouse or a mate, but they're not preparing for it. I understand sometimes it just walks right through the door. <laughs> and not, well, I, you know, anyway. <laughs> but there's a lot of times whenever God's looking to see, how are you preparing? I'm just going to leave it on a church level here. Been talking to the staff. I know I've got an assurance in my heart. God is wanting to expand our church to 500. I know it. I have an assurance for it. I can't explain it to you. And you can say, "Well, it's just you're just looking for numbers." No, I'm not. That's souls that repre- that have names, testimonies, and stories that's going to impact because we're looking at the harvest. The harvest is not God. I pray the harvest in. The harvest is right here because you are the ones that are being hurled forth. We have heard stories and testimonies of people coming in over the past few months. It's like, I just know when I walked in, it felt like home. Guess what? You know what home is? Presence. That's him. Because what represents the presence of God? Security, peace, trust. And that all points to the Father. We want it to be like home. How available are you? I'm just asking the question. How available are you? The Lord shows up. The angel of the Lord. Anybody know who that is? New Testament Jesus, Old Testament, he is the angel of the Lord. Has not yet revealed his name yet, right? Because revelation builds throughout scripture. Starts with a seed. Then it comes to, there's going to be a branch. Then there's going to be a man. There's going to be this. And it just progressively until his name is revealed as Jesus. But Old Testament, he is the angel of the Lord. 
And in the midst of fear, the angel of the Lord shows up in hunger, worry, uncertainty, and declares the opposite of what we would look at and say, are you saying he's about, that's ridiculous. I understand you're an angel, but that's ridiculous. Look at him. He's scared half to death. He's, he's stingy. He's hiding his own grain, right? But he calls him a valiant warrior. Why does he do that? Because Jesus doesn't look at what you currently are. He's looking to what you're becoming. He does. It's an identity problem. And boy, do we have an issue with that right now. I was talking with Pastor Chris yesterday, and he's actually preaching in Jackson. I would encourage you to check the live stream. Not now on your phones, but later on he's preaching on the word transition. And, and even now, you have to go back to like the, the pre Whatever, the newest, they've revamped the Webster's Dictionary and actually changed the word transition to where it includes or could be a sexual change. That's the day you're living in. But we were having this conversation, we were talking and, and just having a conversation about what's happening around us right now and especially with identity. We're in identity crisis right now in our nation and it's been going on for a long time. The only way that you truly can fully walk in the fullness of your calling is you have to identify with Jesus. There is no other way. Here, let me tell you again, there is no other way. You identify with him through salvation, obviously, but you better get into those waters of baptism because that's where you identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection and the authority of that name. It's an intimate tie. It has nothing to do with a religious rite, but it's an intimate. It's a union. I am buried with Christ, and I am hidden with Christ in God. With Christ means union and intimacy. In God is dominion and authority and power. You need that. Valiant warrior. you got to be kidding me. Verse 13, I'm just going to kind of step through and we'll stop and then we'll revisit. That's okay, it's Wednesday night. Everything else that's happened, it's all good. <laughs> Could it be in verse 13, because when the angel shows up to Gideon, the angel says, Jesus, and I, manifesting, talking to Gideon, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, oh my Lord, if, if he is with us, then... Why does this all happen to us? Do y'all not find that strange? I'm just, step back and read this. Let me ask you a question. What did every other character in Scripture, when an angel showed up, what did they say? Or what did the angel have to say? Fear not. But Gideon, oh Lord, he cocks an attitude. And he has this rebuttal that I'm, I'm confused. If he's really with us, then Why? So what this tells me is that Gideon is, it's likely, this is the way I read scripture, it's likely that this man has had an encounter before. Now we don't know that because, but why did he not freak out and say, because even when Jesus walks through the walls with his disciples, he tells them, don't be afraid. Even though I just walked through a wall, don't be afraid. But Gideon, there's an, there's an association here that he's comfortable with, Right? The only time, well, I can't read that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me stay on course. But, but it just, it's interesting to me. But why on earth would his response be as such? And then in verse 14, let's just step it on down. Verse 14 says, And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this strength of yours. After Gideon explains, Hey, you know, if he was really, he was with our fathers, he led them out of Egypt and did all this stuff. Why would he let all this happen? And then the angel, it's almost like he just said, shook his head and be like, oh my gosh. 
let me just move on, Gideon, because you're not getting what I'm trying to communicate to you. He said to him, I want you to go in this strength of yours. Now, this is, I think you need to slow down and read the scriptures um, and not just breeze over it because it's an incredible story, but take it little by little. He says, go in the strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. He said, have I not sent you? So, what is he saying? That phrase, strength of yours, I had to look that up to make sure that I was understanding. I was like, wait a second, our own strength? But that's not exactly what he was referring to, what he was saying. But it's interesting. He said, you use your own ability. Well, what ability did Gideon have? He's threshing wheat in a wine press. He knows how to use his hands. So let me ask you a question. I go back to Moses because we can associate this story with Moses. Moses, the Lord, he, the Lord says, what is that in your hand, Moses? And he said, a staff. He said, throw it down. He threw it down. It turned into a snake. Pick it up. He picked it up by the tail. Whatever. He was using what he had in his hand. So Gideon, use what you've got in your hand. Let me say this to you. What's in your hand? What is the, what is the ability that you have? Well, you don't understand. I can't, you know, I, I can't get up and, and do this, sing, preach, or not even just associate it with ministry. Uh, I can't. I'm not, I'm not anybody in our community. What are you talking about? I don't hold any high position of this, that, and the other. No, 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 no. How available are you, and what do you have in your hand? God didn't ask you for that. I love this response that he has to, what he says to him. He looks at him and he says, I want you to go in this strength of yours, your own ability. But let, guess what? It's not just you on your own. It's like, it reminds me of Elisha and, and the bowman. Elisha, when he put his hand on that bow, something shifted. God wants to put his hand on whatever you can do and watch what will happen. Because that means that he's anointing you. He is commissioning you. He's releasing you because you've, you, can, you can be effective. There's something there when he puts his hand on mine. But the promise was, have I not sent you? Go, I'm with you, have I not sent you? Verse 15. But he said to him, O Lord, how... <laughs> Let me just stop there. Do we do that? God, you're asking me to do But how? How? I'm going to go back to two weeks ago or whenever it was that I preached last I don't even know what day it is. What day is it? Two weeks ago, two Wednesday nights ago, I preached on this. Somewhat. Our problem is, is we want to know all of the details whenever God's not going to reveal that until you take a step, Abraham. Right? I told you to go. That's all I said. All right. I don't know where I'm going. Can't even use Siri. Siri, where am I going? We say she might respond. But the details are unveiled and revealed as you begin to walk. But we live in a culture that we need to know everything. Show me on paper. I've got to see it. So we started at two, and God took us to ten. But then we missed one. And that's our problem. I know I'm, I'm belaboring that a little bit and... and Stretching it somewhat, but that's really what we do. We got to know the full, the full weight of the details of what God wants to do before we say yes. And that's just not the way it works. How available. It's a strong yes when we have that powerful encounter on the altar or in our homes or whenever it is. Yes, God. And then when God shows up, it's no, I'm not. I won't do that. I won't go there. God's looking for available people. How am I to save Israel? Behold, listen to this. 
Listen to the excuses. Well, yeah, but they're real, Pastor AJ. You don't understand. These are real, legitimate excuses that I'm giving. They're not excuses. They're truths. Facts. Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. And I am the youngest in my father's house. (laughs) Many of us, let me say this, because I feel like this is important to understand. Many of us, when we say how, God, you said this, but how? We're not saying in terms of like how to understand what our next step should be. We're, we're saying that because of our own personal insecurities. Does that make sense? We're not asking like, how does that work, God? I, I just, I'm really leaning into this in a spiritual understanding sense. I need to understand. No, we're not asking. We're like, I don't know how that's going to happen. Because you know my past. (laughs) You know what I did. Do you understand where I come from? Do you understand who my family is? Do you understand who my father was? What he did to me? Do you understand this, that, and the other? And it's like, that's not what God's asking you. He's already declared over you. He's already spoke to you, Moses. I go back and I think, listen. Well, I'm not going to go there. I remember reading the story of Moses. Sorry, I, I, I externally process. That's just me. I know my filters and know where I need to stop. With Moses, I look at the story with Moses, and Moses begins to give a a list of things of why he couldn't do what God spoke to him to do. And and I love Yahweh's response because that's who he revealed himself to Moses is that he said, Who made your mouth? Who gave you a tongue? Who Who made your ear? And Moses, still the most, one of the most revered in Judaism, and even obviously Christianity, but still to this day, when you read the scripture and you look at that, what could have, what, I'm just asking the question, I know it's in scripture, what could God have done if Moses would have just embraced it? What other things could have unfolded? I'm just asking, I don't know. Again, that's the way I read scripture. We don't feel qualified or worthy because we have an identity issue. We haven't identified with Jesus because you would understand that your competence. Let me ask you a question. Where does your competence come from? Where does your competence come from? If you read 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians, it says that we are not of the, we're not of the letter that kills, but we're, we're, we're born of the spirit. I'm paraphrasing. But our competence is not an in and of ourselves, but our competence comes from him. It, that's where it's from. So my competence doesn't lie in what I can do. It's who I am in him. You identify with Jesus. And as I identify with Jesus, guess what? I understand. I'm not doing this on my own. For those of you that say, I'm just an independent person, it's biblically wrong. I'm just being honest with you because you were not meant to do this by yourself. At any state, at any level, you are meant to depend upon somebody. Not to the point to where you're, they're your crutch. I depend upon God, but God sends those brothers and sisters around me to encourage, edify, comfort, and exhort. And for us to lean on one another. So don't say that you're independent. That's biblically wrong. God, I depend fully upon you. Start declaring, God, I trust in you. Gideon says, my family is the least and I'm the youngest. God didn't ask you, Gideon, about your lineage. He told him, I'm sending you in this strength of yours to save Israel. Guess what? I'm sending you. Verse 16, AJ. It says, yet the Lord said to him, 
<laughs> I love that. Yet, in, in spite of what he said, of this, all of these excuses, he said, I will certainly be with you and you will defeat Median as one man. Now, who else did the Lord speak that to? Now, there's many in Scripture, but the one that really stands out, I've been talking about him tonight, is Moses. Moses said, Lord, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. You better go with me. Or all two to three million of these people are going to camp out right here. We're going to camp around the presence. When you tell us to break that down, the tribes are going to do. That's a really cool thing, how they all did what they did. But whenever you tell us to break those tents and take all that stuff down, then we're going to move it and we're going to follow the cloud. Or we're going to follow the pillar of fire. We're following you. Some of us have declared that we're available and run out with all of this. We're charging hell with a water pistol. And God didn't tell you to go nowhere. You've got a lot of zeal, and that's great. But it's important to make sure that you're following the cloud or you're following the pillar of fire. Yes, God, I'm available. Keep your eyes on him. I, I've told our staff so many times, if Satan can't get you to fall into sin, his next best weapon that he uses on a believer is distraction. Get you busy. Doing, 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 doing. Well, Pastor, I thought you said I had to be doing something. Yeah, you better be doing something according to what he's calling you into. Otherwise, you have to work twice as hard in the flesh to accomplish something that he can do gently uh, and in due time in the spirit. Is the work that I'm doing carnal and fleshly? Am I doing it of my own strength? Or is God's hand on it? of his response he said I will certainly be with you guess what some of you need to hear this that's a promise that's a promise you want to know well God's never promised me something can I tell you something this is throughout Jesus said it himself to his disciples and it wasn't just an ending time with them I will always be with you I will always be with you and I get it. There's times we need Jesus with flesh. <laughs> I, need, I need Jesus with skin on, as Miss Ann Graham would say from time to time. I, I get it. He's with me. But I need some Jesus with skin on. Guess what? That's why you need one another. That's a promise. God, I'm available, but I'm scared. I'm going to tell you, this has been me from time to time. God, I'm available, but I'm scared of what you're about to ask me to do next because you know I'm going to jump. <laughs> I'm crazy enough to jump off the cliff and check for the parachute. I don't care. Where are you calling me to? What's this look like? I'll ask all the questions, and it's not because I'm skeptical. It's because <laughs> maybe if I, I have not because I asked not, right, AJ? <laughs> we learned that this week. There's times you got to stop. Actually, no, it's not times. It's all. You need to stop asking. God, give me all the details. I need to know the roadmap from A to Z. And just say, wherever you lead, God, I'm going to follow. Wherever you lead, I'm available. Because every person in this room, and I promise you, this sounds so cliche, but it's true. Every person in this room is so significant. You're so precious. You know, the book of Psalms says that how precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We read that at funerals, and it reads good. But you know what that really means? Do you? That really means how costly 
you don't need to be there yet. God needs you here. You understand? I know it. The wild blue yonder will go there. Forever we'll cross the Jordan and be with Jesus, but not yet. There's more to do here. And how available are you? read verse 17 and I'm done. It says, verse 17, so Gideon said to him, if I've now found favor in your sight, then perform a sign for me that is you speaking with me. How many times have we told the Lord, God, if this is really you, or if you want me to do this, then you need to do this. I need a sign. Right? We may not say this, but what we are, are saying is, God, you need to prove it, and then I'll do it. <laughs> you need to prove yourself. I know, you, I know that sounds harsh, but that's the truth. If you really said this, then you're going to have to prove something to me so I know it's you. And when you prove yourself, does that not sound crazy? You prove yourself, and then I'll say yes. <laughs> God is wanting you tonight to completely, 100% surrender the future. I'm telling you, this is a word for you. Some of you in this room. may not be for all, but it's probably for all. You need to surrender your plans to the future. Right here and right now. Come on, stand to your feet. It's time as we get ready to shift into a new year. Not that a new year changes anything. People say, well, the new year, it's going to be this and this and this. No, it happened right now. I'm serious. I, I think that we rely so much on that beginning of a brand new year to where we make changes and shifts. And whenever God's like, today's the day of salvation, <laughs> let's change stuff right now. But I want you for just a moment, with your eyes closed and just, in a, just a moment of meditation and a selah, and all in light of what I've just preached tonight, I want to ask you the question, how available are you truly? Have you been available? Or have you been so busy that God has not been able to work, move, and flow through your life because your schedule is so hectic and crazy and busy? Oh, you're busy, but are you really being effective? As Gideon is threshing wheat in the wine press, it's interesting because he's missing what God's trying to do. Can I use this analogy? Some of us are here as well. What, is, what does wheat represent? Bread. What does bread represent? The Word. What does wine represent? The Spirit. So some of us are confused on how God's wanting to move right now in our life. He's wanting to pour out His Spirit in a heavy way. I'm not saying you neglect the Scripture, but God's wanting to pour out His Spirit in a heavy way in your life, but you're not leaning that direction on not allowing the Spirit of God to flow in your life. Some of us are leaning heavily more towards spiritual and not allowing the Word of God to permeate our being and to change our thinking. You got it? This is a season... Where God says, I want, and I'm, listen, I'm shifting, I'm moving some places, and I just want to give what, I'm, what I have in my spirit. 
God is saying that right now, to some of you, you need to discern your spiritual appetite. You do have a spiritual appetite. God has shifted some of the seasons with spiritual appetites, but we're missing it. What is feeding you spiritually? Pay attention to those things. That's vital. Now, for those of you that feel in your heart, you're like, Pastor, people's eyes are closed, so nobody's looking. You say that, I, I, I feel like in my life... I haven't been available for God to work and move through my life. I want you to raise your hand so I can see it. I'm seeing hands going up all over. Anyone else? Hey, it's okay because tonight, guess what? You just need to realize it. You needed someone to preach it to you so you could see it. What about those that your, your schedule's been so hectic and busy that you didn't realize it till tonight? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. See hands going up. Now, if you would, just raise both hands right now. All of you. Those of you that raised your hands, raise both hands. Father, in the the name of Jesus, I'm asking you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus to come. I'm asking you for a spiritual awakening in this room. I'm asking you to refresh, refresh your people. I'm asking you for a time of refreshing to come. Because even right now, as they begin to repent, God, I'm sorry that I have not been available. I'm sorry that I have put things ahead of you, in front of you. I'm sorry that I haven't done what I've been called to do in this time, this season. I'm sorry. Forgive me, God. Listen, I'm right there with you. I have my moments. When the urgent screams louder than the important. And so, God, I'm giving you over once again. I say yes to my future. I don't know what it looks like, but I don't have to see every step. I don't need the details to follow after you. I trust you. Come on, tell him that. Say, God, I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. I really feel, I'm telling you, I feel just a wind of the Spirit of God just beginning to blow through this room. It's gentle, but it's looking to fall upon hearts. I feel like just a fresh fire from the Holy Spirit coming right now. Just a fresh rain. I want you to just begin to feel, just to begin to feel the rain of the Holy Spirit beginning to rain upon your life. Saturating you from the crown of your head, down your shoulders, all the way down to your feet. Father, pour out a fresh rain right now. I agree with what heaven wants to do. I agree with a, with a spirit of re- revival and awakening, just a renewal. Some of you are getting renewed right now. I sense just renewal, renewal, just like a fresh rain. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Flow, move, touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Spirit of the living God, work and flow in our hearts right now. Just for a few moments, bear with me for just a few more moments. As your hands are extended out in front of you, just receive it. Listen, I want you to receive. I want you to receive. Revive, God. Revive, God. Revive, God. Revive. Thank you. Thank you. this way for just a moment there's a part two to this and I'll just give you a little tidbit it's really simplistic 
If I want to give it, I guess I will. And it's, if you read the story, go home and read the story of Gideon. There's times in your life where God has to shrink everything back so that he can bring about a purpose that only looks, it only displays itself as a supernatural solution. I know that's a lot. There are times you think, I've got all of this. I'm ready to rock and roll. It's fixing to be great. And all of a sudden God goes, that won't fit through that door. You need to shrink back some. Because when you... The victory that he wants to give you, he wants to give one so that no one gets the glory but him. I'm going to leave it at that. We're going to dig into that on the next one. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.